Well, last year's coronavirus lockdown in the UAE led to a drop in demand for real estate across the country. There are signs the market is recovering, particularly in popular areas and for higher end homes. Some residents are hunting for properties with gardens or more space as the work from home trend continues, while demand for short term rentals is also on the up. But the idea of investing in real estate might seem a little risky for some when you consider the world is only just emerging from the pandemic. So what alternatives are there for investors that want to slice the real estate market without saving up a huge deposit? Are UAE property prices really on the rise? And what other global markets should you consider investing in now? Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams. I'm Alice Hain and joining me today is Sadiq Farid, the founder and chief executive of Smart Crowd, a digital real estate investment platform that allows investors to crowdfund their property purchase. Welcome to the show, Sadiq. Thank you for having me. So how has the pandemic affected the UAE's real estate market over the past 12 months? I mean, it's been a very crazy 12 months. So what have you noticed, Sadiq? It definitely has been very interesting over the last 12 months. So the immediate impact of COVID was felt across the board. You did see some slowdown in transactions, both in terms of uh, volume and value as well, too. But uh, since the travel restrictions have been lifted, we've seen a robust activity in the market fueled by the investor appetite as well as end user appetite. It's very important to go back and look at what the trends were heading into pandemic. So if you look at the data, sort of end of 2019, early 2020, um, we had noticed prices, transaction volume picking up, prices starting to pick up, and we were starting to get in this recovery phase sort of Q4 of 2019, Q1 into 2020, leading up to the pandemic. And because of the pandemic and the slowdown and the lockdowns, we did see a massive drop off in Q1 and Q2. But since Q3, August onwards, you've seen record number of transactions happening in the market. In fact, just last month, we had the most volume of transactions since I think 2015. So there's definitely a lot of appetite in the market uh, and things have really picked up in, in the current landscape. And what's driving those trends? I mean, some of it might have actually been pent-up demand because particularly in the first lockdown, we the, the, the property market stopped entirely. I mean, we all stopped entirely. So that could be one factor. But is it also a case of people wanting more space or more people wanting to work remotely? What have you noticed there? So one of the good things about this recovery or this sort of robust activity, it's, it's driven by both investors as well as end users. You know, Dubai historically has been a very investment-dominated market where it's mostly investors buying properties. This time around, we're seeing a bit of both, where investors are coming back, uh, uh, as well as end users are taking advantage of the prices that are currently in the market and the lower interest rates. So they're looking to upgrade themselves. Uh, you know, the pandemic has had a lot of challenges in terms of a lot of people have lost their jobs and a lot of people have left, but a lot of new people have come in and the people that have stayed back are much better off. Uh, so they're taking advantage of the situation, getting attractive prices and upgrading their lifestyle or moving into bigger units because, you know, uh, working from home is, is probably a fad, but working from anywhere is a trend and people want that flexibility and having that extra space that can be used as a home office or a homeschooling area is what's driving the demand for more space or more green space. And people are not necessarily, necessarily restricted to staying within the city. They're okay to travel and commute and be on this, uh, in the outskirts of the city. And obviously, I mean, you're talking about the difference between investors and people buying to actually live in the property. What is the difference between buying a home to live in versus as an investment property? What are the two different things you should think about there? 
there's a lot of debate on this topic, right? So there's two schools of thought um, around this space. I come from a school of thought where I don't consider a home that you live in as an investment, um, uh, particularly because, if, especially if you have that home finance, because you're effectively paying to live in the house that you live in. An investment to me is an asset that generates return for you. And a house that you buy to live in where you're paying a mortgage isn't providing you any positive cash flow. In fact, it's a liability, a burden on you. So it doesn't necessarily translate into an investment. So it's very important to distinguish between those two things. Uh, uh, with an investment, you want to generate income from it. That income can be used and compounded into further assets and further investments. So it's very important to look at it from that perspective. And also speaking broadly, generally speaking, homes that you live in don't necessarily technically from an investment perspective, provide the best returns. Because when you're looking to buy a home, it's a very emotional decision, right? You want uh, the nicest place, you want big space, et cetera. But when it comes to an investment property, you know you need to take emotions out and you got to look at the, uh, the, 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 the factors that's going to maximize the return on that property. So having a larger space is not necessarily most optimal from a rental perspective because a bigger place has more carrying costs, higher service charges where a smaller unit will have lower service charges, so you can maximize your yield. So, but that doesn't mean you don't make investments in real estate. You can make investments and use the returns generated to subsidize your rent wherever you're paying. So this whole mantra of, hey, you know, rent is a waste of money, I don't buy into that because you can put that money into much better opportunities to generate the return and use that return to subsidize your rent and you get the best of both worlds. You get to maintain the flexibility and the optionality, which is priceless. At the same time, you have your money into real estate just generating good return and good yield for it. I mean, I, I don't entirely agree with you. I'll be honest with you. I do think that the home you live in, if you've bought it, that is still an investment, particularly if you're going to sell up or downsize in the future. That's money you can take with you. So I'm not completely on board with that, but I understand that the difference between the emotions. When you're buying a home to live in, you are buying a home that you're thinking about having those those big, large rooms and that gorgeous garden. And when you're buying an investment property, you're, you're looking at the numbers. So yes, I understand that. But I still think, uh, you know, investing in the home you live in has a place. If, you, if you're talking about real estate investment in general, how much of a person's investment portfolio should property actually take up? There's no one right answer that fits all benefits of scenario. It all depends on your investment objectives, your time horizon. But, you know, typically, you know, alternative assets such as direct real estate, anywhere between 10 to 40% of one's portfolio should have exposure to alternative assets like real estate. That's how you want to sort of build your or construct your portfolio where you have various asset classes, you're investing your equities, fixed income, and then having some alternative assets. Having real estate in one's portfolio provides really good diversification, reduces the risk of the overall portfolio and generates more returns because real estate tends to provide a steady flow of income through rental income that can be used and compounded into more investments to help your portfolio grow. So depending on your circumstances, your objectives, your time horizon, 10 to 40% is a good ballpark. Can you also explain to listeners about the importance of leverage? Leverage can be very useful uh, if used wisely. It can enhance your returns, but it can also hurt you a lot if things don't go according to plan. I think the best time to lever up and, and buy, uh, buy assets on leverage um, have passed us. You know, the last 10, 15 years, uh, we've witnessed some really low interest rates. I'm not 100% sure if we'll continue to see a uh, low interest rate environment um, anymore. It's difficult to say. You're already starting to see uh, interest rates increasing. So if you don't plan this properly and your rates start going up, uh, it can really hurt you because your, your cost of carrying that debt can increase uh, considerably. So if you're considering buying a home today um, uh, using mortgage 
or investment property, it's very important to stress test that. So meaning uh, you might be getting a certain rate today that's fixed for a year or two years, that's great, but you want to run some stress test sensitivity beyond year two in terms of what happens if my interest rate increases by 1%, 2%, 3%, and if the rents stay what they are, et cetera, uh, to manage your cash flows. Because without managing your cash flows properly, if you can't, if you're unable to hold on to that mortgage, you can put yourself in a very difficult situation. So uh, it's very important you focus on that and stress test that because you want to be able to have that holding power to hold on to that asset and not get desperate uh, if things go sour. Like for example, people that I would have bought uh, properties a couple of years ago on financing and during COVID they lost their job or if their tenant and the property left and they, they went, and they're not able to uh, f- uh, service that debt they were desperate to sell their assets at the worst possible time when the market had taken a big hit and there was very little activity. So you, you get hit on both, uh, both fronts. So you don't want to put yourself in that position. If you're considering leverage, you know, you can reduce your risk. You can reduce your risk by uh, not taking the full mortgage. So, you know, in, in Dubai, for, as your first time buyer, you can take leverage up to 85% of the property. You, you can reduce that risk by only taking 50% and putting 50% down payment because that gives you more optionality and more flexibility. Or what else you can do is instead of you're thinking of buying a home uh, that costs say 2 million dirhams and you have down payment um, of 15% to mortgage the rest 85%, maybe you're better off taking that down payment and buying an investment property for half the price so you can pay down 50% and the income that you're generating from that, use it to subsidize the rent of that home that you want to live in. What that does, it keeps you at control it gives you a lot of optionality, which is priceless, which will also help you sleep better at night because you won't have to worry about your mortgage payments, et cetera, if things go really bad. And it gives you the flexibility because if things change, your lifestyle changes, you can pick up and go in no problem, whereas your investment property is more a long-term focus, et cetera. So you want to keep that, uh, that optionality open, and it's very important from that perspective. And obviously, we've seen uh, equity markets soar since they first kind of dropped quite dramatically about this time last year. Do you think people are focusing more on equity markets or, or is real estate making a comeback? It's definitely fascinating how quickly the equity markets have bounced back uh, from its lows in March. And it shows the importance of always being invested and not trying to time the market. Um, I think if you look at the retail investor behavior, it's always easier for people to invest large sums of money when things are going uh, really well and run for the hills when things are going back, where, you know, it's, it's the exact opposite you should be doing. You know, the way you make money is buying low and selling high. Um, you can never time the market, but you can control the time you spend in the market. And that's a very important concept for people to understand. Um, it's important that you adequately diversify your portfolio uh, so you can take advantage of markets and not get hurt during, you know, when things are not going well. And diversification is a very loose term, right? Because a lot of people say, you know, invest in 20 different stocks and you get diversification. Yes, but that's a diversification within an investment portfolio of equities. But if equities get hit, your entire portfolio of equities is going to get hit as well too. So it's important to have diversification in different asset classes, whether it's fixed income, commodities, precious metals like gold, silver, and real estate. So I think the real estate is, you know, it's one of the oldest investment asset classes. It's the largest investable class in the in the world. There's obviously cycles that people go through and there's behavioral stuff that impacts how, how popular uh, one asset class is, et cetera. Obviously equities are doing well. Bitcoin is doing well. So a lot of people like to talk about it. And that's what drives a frenzy in the markets, you know, put them into territory where you can consider them as a bubble territory. So when you're looking at investment, you got to look at, you know, risk reward, you know, what is the upside compared to the downside? Am I getting at the top? Is there a massive downside? 
compared to the upside. And you got to look at that from a relative basis and then decide what sort of investment thesis fit well with you. Real estate is time and tested. It's proven to provide stability in one's portfolio, provide regular income. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an asset class that I don't think will be out of favor, out of fashion anytime soon. It just cycles and you know what people feel comfortable with. You know, the last few years, we've gone through a very difficult period of the way real estate uh, cycle, where you've been a sort of a bear market, the longest one it has experienced in its infancy, in its, in, its, in its history. And I think now at a point, we're getting to a point where, you know, putting some capital at work in the way real estate might prove out to be a very good investment if you look at five, 10 years, given the demographic, the economic situation of the region and particularly the country. Now, some investors might get deterred from investing in property because they start thinking about the challenges of finding the right location, finding good tenants, maintaining it, you know, making sure the property is still in good condition. So what alternatives are there for people who don't want that kind of headache of actually managing a property? Yeah, real estate investing is hard work. Uh, it requires a lot of active work in terms of if you, if you want to do it yourself, you know, uh, one, it's very difficult to find the data, get the right advice. Uh, looking at the right properties because there's opportunities uh, in areas, but you need to find them out. And then you obviously need to manage them on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, you obviously can rely on, on, on service providers in the market, such as property managers, uh, trusted brokers that can help you find right opportunities, trusted property managers that are RERA certified that can help manage the properties for you and ensure that they'll maximize their returns for you. But, you know, what we have built at SmartCrowd is to take all that hassle away from investors and provide a very uh, hassle-free digital process where you know uh, we provide one-stop shop. We provide you with all the market data, independent market valuations, allowing people to make their own decision based on unbiased, objective information. And all these assets are t- fully managed and fully taken care of. So it's just a matter of putting your money in and generating a return um, from that from that investment. So can you explain how your company works? If somebody wants to invest in real estate through your company, how does the whole concept come together? Yeah, so the, the concept is very simple, right? So the idea of Smart Crowd is to allow micro-investments into real estate. A lot of people want to you know, allocate uh, some capital of their investable capital into real estate, but the challenge is real estate requires a lot of capital. So someone that has $100,000 of investable capital, it's very difficult for them to allocate any of that money into real estate. Because if, if they were to go buy real estate, either they'll use an entire 100000 in one asset or worse, they'll leverage themselves up and take interest rates exposure and interest rate risk to get exposure to real estate. And even then, you'll have a very concentration piece. What we do at SmartCard, we fractionalize the real estate. So, you know, for example, take a million dirham property and we break it up into smaller pieces where people can invest appropriate allocations. So if you have $100,000 and you want to allocate 20% into real estate, say $20,000, you can do that at SmartCraft platform. You can put that $20,000 in one property, or you can put that $20,000 across multiple properties. So you get a diversified real estate portfolio using SmartCraft. So for example, you can put $5,000 in Marina, you can put $5,000 in downtown, and you get that exposure, you diversify your risk, and you get exposure and start building your own portfolio. So we, we do that. And but the way we do this is we, we provide all this information about the particular investment opportunities that are available on the platform. You decide which ones you want to invest in, how much you want to invest in. Uh, you monitor your investment through your personalized dashboard. And all these properties are, 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 are they have investment strategies. So they're either long-term rented or a short-term holiday home rental. And you, know, you, you generate the income from it and they're paid out on a regular basis to investors based on the frequency of rent collection. For example, a holiday home, we pay out monthly dividends 
or something that's rented on four checks will pay you quarterly dividend. And that money you can withdraw anytime you want, or you can top it up and reinvest into other projects on the platform. And so what's the minimum that somebody could put in? The minimum investment on our platform is 5,000 dirhams. But generally speaking, most people invest more than that, right? Because it's sizable. They want to get generated decent returns uh, from their investment. And you can invest up to as much as 25% of a property. So if I've put 5,000 dirhams in, what can I expect to get in return? Let's say on a holiday home, what would the monthly return be? And what would it be on um, a quarterly return? So holiday homes, generally speaking, you know, we tend to focus on places like Marina and Palm. Uh, you know, right now, the, the market yield in Marina is just under 4%, 4.6% average annual yield, net yield. Uh, whereas a holiday home can get you anywhere between 8 to 10%, depending on the type of property you have. So your 5,000 dirhams investment is going to generate you 8 to 10% return compared to if you had that money sitting in a bank account somewhere on a fixed income, you'd be lucky to generate 1% or 2% on an annual basis. So the returns are much better. You're investing in a tangible asset, uh, such as real estate. It's not going to go anywhere. Yes, there might be fluctuation in the pricing, but then you sort of measure your risk in terms of risk reward, right? Prices have been coming down for a long time. Uh, they're starting to pick up again, sort of plateaued. So in terms of your downside compared to your upside, you got to sort of measure that. At the same time, you're getting income to, to sort of manage your, mitigate your risk of any capital uh, appreciation or depreciation. And can anyone invest or do you have to be a UAE resident? Well, the beauty of the platform is it's a digital platform. So anybody anywhere can log on, create a profile. And as long as you have an approved account and you're not from a sanctioned country, you can access our, our, our investment platform and, and make investments. We've had people, we've recently we've seen a lot of activity from UK uh, investing on the platform. We've had people as far as Auckland, New Zealand, invest on our platform from Calgary in Canada. And obviously a lot of people living in UAE in the GCC region. And how much do you charge in fees? Very modest <laughs> fees, right? So our fee structure is uh, very transparent. Again, it's all in the platform. At the time of investment, we charge one and a half percent as a transaction fee to set up the whole structure because we do this in a very legal, protective manner. The way we structure these things is one, first of all, we're registered in the DIFC, regulated by the DFSA, the financial regulator, because what we are offering is a financial product. All these deals are structured in a way where you have zero exposure to the smart card platform. So even if the smart card platform is not operational anymore in the future, your investment doesn't get impacted at all because everything is completely ring fenced in a separate vehicle. And this information is registered with the land department as well as the PIFC. So it's public information. So you have full transparency and full legal recourse on your investment. So there's no fear of you losing your investment or the money or rental income from that perspective. So to set all those structures, obviously cost. So we charge 1.5% at the time of investment. We only charge 0.5% on an annual basis to manage this investment and this, uh, this vehicle in which this investment sits. And we charge 2.5% on the exit when you get liquidity we charge you 2.5% at that time to align our interest to ensure that you get some liquidity uh, back from your investment. And so how many properties have you invested in so far? Can you give me an idea of your assets under management now? We started operational sort of end of 2019. We got our full license from the DFA, so the first one uh, to get a license in the entire region to operate this facility. Uh, we've grown our portfolio to 30 properties uh, so far. Um, and over the last four or five months, that has really exploded. And we're expecting to add another 50, 60 properties by the end of this year um, in 2021. Uh, and we've done properties across the, across the city, Marina, Palm, Downtown, JVC, JLT, Rimram, IMPZ, uh, from affordable living to prime real estate. So the idea is, you know, for one place uh, with $100,000, you can get a breadth of exposure 
uh, to Dubai real estate, both from long-term and short-term uh, rentals. It's not the only way that people can uh, invest in real estate, though, without actually buying a property. What other options are out there? Um, you can obviously finance properties yourself, right, through a mortgage, but then you have to understand the risk associated with that. And, uh, you know, when it comes to investment, what's important is uh, your ability to hold on to that investment. You don't want to put yourself uh, in a situation where you can be exposed if, if the market turns, et cetera, because you want to hold on to your investment during rough times and not get desperate at the worst possible time. So financing can be very good when markets are doing really well and interest rates are low. When that is not going well, it can put you in a lot of trouble. So be careful when you are financing. But that's one alternative for people to leverage up and buy investments. There's other ways of doing it through private funds. Uh, obviously, the requirement and the criteria to qualify to participate in a private fund is quite high. You need to have a million dollar of assets. Minimum investment is $50,000. Or you can do publicly traded REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts. Uh, but you need to understand what kind of exposure you're getting in. Over there, you still have uh, sort of the, the operational exposure, the operational risk of the fund manager. Are they making the right decision? Obviously, the cost structures are quite heavy compared to what we offer. But those are alternatives for you to invest. Or you can do the old-fashioned way, you know, a bunch of friends coming together, uh, putting their money together and buying things. We've just taken that sort of tradition and digitized that process and made it very uh, legally structured. So, you know, no, no bad blood between friends. Absolutely. But where can crowdfunding go wrong? Because, I mean, what happens if the market crashes? What happens then to those assets? Yeah, so, you know, the, the beauty of crowdfunding is because you're sharing the risk, you don't have to, you can manage it a lot bit better, right? So even if the market turns, the worst that will happen to you is your returns will take a hit, right? So your, your rental prices might come down. The prices might come down, but the prices will, are coming down only on a piece of paper. Until you sell, you're not realizing those losses. And the fact uh, that you've only put a portion of your capital into that investment, you can be a lot more patient. As the alternative, if you had put all your money into one asset, and you see those prices in the market getting hurt and you finance that and you can maintain that mortgage, et cetera, then you put yourself in a very big, uh, you put yourself at risk if the market turns negative. Whereas with crowdfunding, because you've, you've, you've been sensible, you've allocated, say, 20% of your capital in it, uh, you can be more patient. So if the market comes down, the rents come down, your return gets taken a little bit of hit, but you don't get desperate to exit the, at the worst possible time. In fact, you can take advantage of a depressed market and put more money into into the market. Uh, again, you can add you know ten thousand, twenty thousand, and take advantage, like many people did on our platform during the COVID period. A lot of people came and took advantage of distressed deals that were taking place, um, you know, summer last year. And this is what the wealthy do, right? They look for opportunities in distressed market where people are running scared for the exits. That's probably the best time to come in and put some capital to work. But the problem is the retail investor one doesn't have sufficient capital and doesn't have the risk appetite to to take that kind of risk. But crowdfunding allows them to take that kind of risk. You know, if you have $20,000, you have very limited options in the market as to what you can do with $20,000. But if 100 people have $20,000 and they pull it together, all of a sudden you have a massive purchasing power and you can take advantage of that situation. So I think, in fact, crowdfunding makes things easier for you to manage downturns and take advantage of those downturns. Now, some people actually like to touch their investment. Like they, if they're going to buy gold, they want to buy a gold bar. I mean, I realize that that, physical real estate asset is there, but they're kind of one step away from it through your platform. So how do you appeal to people like that? Yeah, so you know, the beauty, the, the whole idea of Smart Crowd, you know, is to make it very personable, very tangible. Yes, there's vehicles in there, et cetera, but the level of transparency we provide is you get a copy of the title deed in terms of what property you have invested in. 
and you can point fingers, right? You're going on a drive in downtown. You can tell your buddy, hey, listen, uh, you see that apartment, that building? You know, I own a studio in that apartment, right? Or I got a portfolio of assets. <laughs> you don't have to tell them you only have 1% or 2% of that asset, but you can get bragging rights, right? But it's that level of transparency. So it gives you that lot of personal ability that, you know, I got a portfolio of 10 properties. I got three in Marina, four in downtown, and they can name the building, right? Like it's this apartment in this in this building. So we provide that transparency. You don't get that with other indirect approaches. Like if you invest in a REIT, you know, you have to do a lot of homework to figure out what they actually invested in. But with Smart Crowd, you have full transparency. Uh, you know exactly where your money is going and where you're making your returns from. So you are UAE focused for now, but you are looking to expand your concept elsewhere. So what, what markets are you looking at? Yeah, so we're looking at various markets, right? The, the beauty of the digital platform is it's scalable. You know, we, we're giving people access to different real estate markets. Right now, we've been very much focused on UAE because we started off over here. Uh, very soon, we'll be looking to do uh, properties in continental Europe, particularly, particularly in UK, and take advantage of a lot of people from this part of the world that like to invest in that part of the world. So that's probably our next market that we're going to be looking at to expand and to offer UK properties on our platform. Well, the UK is quite an interesting market at the moment. It's been very bizarre in that the property market has actually risen quite substantially over the course of the coronavirus pandemic, in which which is the reverse of what's been actually happening to the economy. So, I mean, why why have you picked the, the UK? Is that because, as you say, it's a very popular market for investors from that part of the world? It's a tricky one, right? It's, it's, a, it's amazing what conventional wisdom would have told you what would happen with pandemic. The total opposite has happened, and that's happened in many countries. Uh, if you look at the real estate prices everywhere, they have sort of risen, uh, mainly in suburbs, et cetera, as people are moving out of the cities and taking advantage and looking to sort of upgrade and get more space. So there are pocket of opportunities. We intended to do, we, we had intended to do UK properties last year, but we sort of hold, held off because of the pandemic to see how it plays out. Um, uh, but, you know, UK is a very mature market. Uh, it's a very stable market, you know, and real estate is a long-term investment. So, you know, you cannot predict what might happen in the short term. But if you, as long as you buy good quality assets over a long term, you know, these things are relatively uh, good investments. You know, if you look at the UK market over the last two, three decades, uh, the property prices have done remarkably well. Yes, you might go through a, a cycle a downturn um, in the next little while once the four low programs come off, et cetera. We want to see the true impact as to what happens. But the government is pumping in a lot of support. Uh, they've, they've, they've extended the stamp duty already. Uh, they ha- and they have uh, uh, recently launched um, uh, uh, a guaranteed mortgage scheme for first-time buyers. So they're, they're, they're trying to encourage people to get out and, and spend money in the economy. And all governments all over the world are doing that. And that's very positive for real assets like real estate, right? Because that's inflationary. That's going to bring in more demand. And it's only going to, uh, and with limited supply in the UK, because UK has a massive housing problem. So with more demand on there, you know, the prices can go only in one direction. That's sort of a long-term thesis. What might happen in the next 6, 12 months, I can't predict that. But we don't make investments for the next 6, 12 months. You know, we provide opportunities for people to make long-term investments, have stable portfolios that can provide them return over a long period of time. It's certainly a very competitive market at the moment. So when are you actually planning to enter the UK? So we're doing a lot of homework recently because we need to understand the tax implications for foreign investors. There's been a lot of changes. We were waiting for the new budget to be passed and the new announcement. So now we have a little bit more clarity. Um, you know, follow us on smartcrowd.ae uh, and our social channels. Um, you know, some exciting news might be coming out in the next 30 to 60 days uh, for our international launch. And what else have you got on the agenda for Smart Crowd? 
a lot of exciting things, right? So, you know, we want to obviously expand uh, our, our platform for international investors to, uh, to invest in, in UAE. Uh, we'll be looking at other markets within the region to expand, to increase our investor base. Um, we're, we're working on uh, really exciting things to create more liquidity on the platform because we made it very easy for people to invest in. We want to make it easy for people to exit their position as well, too. So we'll be, we're working on a couple of things around that. And then obviously, we want to facilitate alternative payments as well, too, on the platform to bring more excitement and more liquidity on the platform. So enabling payment through Kiptro and so forth, not just fiat currency. I think that's going to be very exciting in the next uh, few months that we as we launch that. Yes, certainly lots to look forward to. Thank you very much for joining me, Sadiq. Thank you, Alice. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the opportunity. I really enjoyed this. Thanks a lot. Thank you this week to Sadiq Farid. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at thenational.ae. And remember that PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates. And also leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Hayne.